Well, this isn't actually the smallest group that, that I've ever preached to on a Sunday morning before. Um, I remember, oh, it wasn't this last Thanksgiving, but the Thanksgiving before, I preached a sermon with about three people in the entire room for an entire Sunday morning. So um, it still feels weird, but it's not the weirdest situation I've ever been in. But I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us online. Um, we are continuing our sermon series called Simply Transformed today, and we are on week three of this. And where we've been previously for the past two weeks, the first week we discussed kind of our call, our mission to be different from the world, and we just talked about that word different a little bit and what it looks like to be different and how we're supposed to be different from those who are in the world, um, not living as followers of Christ. And so we um, dug into that a little bit. And then the second week, um, we really focused on this idea of what it looks like to be with Jesus and kind of how that is a way that we can um, pursue after being transformed. And as we get into this week, I really want to focus on this idea, what, what does it actually look like to be a transformed person? Um, that, that question might have come to you a little bit as we were going through the first couple of weeks. So, okay, yeah, I get that I'm supposed to be different. I, I get that um, being with Jesus and simply being present with him can be a way that I can be transformed. But what does it actually look like to be a transformed person? And so as we discuss that, um, we're going to look at a specific story a little bit later on, and that title is already in your bulletin there, and so you might have already read it and said, okay, that's the story where we're going, but there's a story that I want to focus on a little bit later. Now, this, this idea of a chair that we've been focusing on for the past couple of weeks, right? The first week we had this chair, and it, and it signified kind of our life and our life decisions and the directions that we go, and whoever is sitting in that chair is the person that is governing um, what your life decisions are, which directions you choose to go. And so there's kind of this struggle between um, me, if I'm talking about my chair, and God to say, you know, there's often times where I want to follow kind of the desires of the flesh and the, the darkness, and I want to be the one sitting in the chair. But there's also a lot of times where um, we have this, these desires of the Spirit as well, and we want to place God in that chair. And, and overall, God should be the one in the chair all the time. He should be the one governing our life and, and telling us where to go and how to interact with people. And so that's what we focused on with um, the first week and the idea of the chair. And then the last week, what we focused on was this idea of, all right, we've placed God in the chair, Jesus is in the chair, and now I am sitting at his feet, learning from him, observing just what he does in Scripture, reading what he tells us and teaches us, and just soaking in everything that he has to offer. And so that's where we've been at for the past couple of weeks with this idea of the chair. And as we get into this week, what I want to kind of focus on, on, in on is this idea of leaning on God now. Right? We've placed God in the chair. We are sitting at his feet. And now let's just let's lean on him. Because life can be difficult. It can be hard. And we need his strength to get us through. Right? Our, our strength can only take us so far. And then there's a point where, oh my goodness, I feel overwhelmed and overcome, and I, I don't know what to do. And in those moments, let's, let's lean on God. Let's just lean on Him as He's the one sitting in the chair. Now, as we move into this idea, there's a couple um, points on your, on your bulletin of, of kind of the things that I've thought of when transformation has come up before. Not, I'm not saying that these are truth, but this is just kind of the way that I used to view transformation. The first thing is that transformation is doing the right things. 
transformation is doing the right things. And while doing the right things can definitely be an indicator or a, a kind of an image into being a transformed person, that's not the full picture. That really isn't the full picture. Um, you know, the, the media, and I've heard Pastor Matt talk about this a few times, the media really focuses in on these negative stories that happen in churches, right? They don't focus in on a lot of the good things that happen in churches, and I completely, completely acknowledge that. But there still is a truth that there are negative stories that happen in churches. And sometimes when we, what we see is these, these church leaders, right? For their entire life, they've done the right things, they've gone to the right places, they've gone to the right colleges, they've gotten the right degrees, and then they're in these positions. Yet inside, they're not transformed. They're not living out a life of transformation. And then all of a sudden, some massive event happens that kind of lets us into this idea like, oh, this person wasn't transformed this entire time. They were just doing the right things. And so there's this, this the full picture is, are they a transformed person? Are they loving people in the ways that they're supposed to love people? And it's hard for us to determine that. We can't look inwardly and say, oh, yes, this person's transformed and this person's not. So it's a lot of self-reflection of where am I at within this idea of transformation. Nonetheless, right, I had thought transformation is doing the right things, and I didn't fully have um, the, the, the full picture. I didn't have the full picture in my mind. Now, secondly, when I am transformed, life will be easy. <laughs> yeah, there's... <laughs> A few people laughing in here, right? Um, this couldn't be further from the truth, right? Life is, is, is difficult, it's hard, it's full of wondrous beauty. Don't get me wrong, like life is full of so, so much beauty, yet also there's a lot of difficulty and struggle and, and hardships that happen, right? Um, and I'm sure as I say those things, you can probably think of a situation that either has happened or is ongoing in your life of, wow, this thing is hard. And... So there's kind of two fallacies within this statement. When I am transformed, life will be easy, right? When I am transformed, within this life, we're never going to reach a point where we are fully transformed, right? This transformation is kind of this ongoing process, this journey that we go on um, as we continue learning about ourselves, learning about the world, learning about others and how we interact with them as we continue this process of transformation. So that's kind of the first fallacy within this idea. And then secondly... Life is difficult. Life is full of struggle. Um, again, still full of beauty, but life can be difficult. As we continue that process of transformation, though, I think that we can learn how to handle different situations maybe better than we once did before. But in, in the truth of the matter is, there's always things in my life, even when I reach this point of like, wow, you know, I'm so much wiser than I was in high school, I'm so much wiser than I was in college now, and then I reach this situation that's happening in my life, and I'm like, I am not prepared to handle this situation. And so then what comes into play is leaning on God, saying, God, I've placed you in the chair, I'm sitting at your feet, and I'm leaning on you in this time that I, I don't know what to do. So guide me, teach me what I should be doing. And that's kind of what I want to lean into this morning. So as we're talking about this idea of transformation, the first couple of weeks I've shared with you the Oxford Dictionary trans, um, uh, uh, definition of transformation, and that is to make a thorough or dramatic change in form, appearance, or character of, right? I have it memorized now after the first two, two weeks, and so that's what we're talking about. We're kind of focusing in on this idea of, of character and the transformation of character and kind of our, our, our lives, you can say. 
So, But as we get into the story, we're going to be focusing on the demon-possessed man. And this is a really interesting story to focus in on in terms of transformation. It wasn't one that initially came to my mind when I was studying for the sermon, but as I looked up transformation and was trying to study it a little bit, there was this article that showed up that I was like, huh, that's a really interesting story to, to look at within this idea of transformation. Um, and he goes through a, a wild series of events within that. And so we're going to read the entire story really quickly um, together, and then we're going to kind of um, look at a few different points from that. So let's get into the story. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons uh, came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and he left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This is, this is kind of a wild story as we read through it, right? I mean, this man, is, he's not just possessed by one demon, but, but many. And he's kind of written off by those around him, right? They do everything they, that they can to kind of control him and, and put him in places where he's not going to cause harm to himself or to others, but still yet he's led into just being a scary guy, and people don't want to be around him. He's even living in, in the tombs, in a cemetery, kind of, in a way, right? And so this is an interesting guy to look at, and then for Jesus to come and to cure him of these de- demons, like, he was written off so much so that when Jesus cures him of the demons, the people of the town are afraid of Jesus. They are scared of him. To the point of asking Jesus, can you please leave? We are afraid of you and your power. 
Now, there's a few different things that we could focus in on with this story, one of which I've heard this story taught in, in the ways of Jesus' power and how, you know, the demons look to him and, and ask him questions and say, you know, please allow us to do this or allow us to do that, and Jesus gives them permission, so we could focus in on that. But for today, I want to focus in on the man who was possessed by these demons and what he was going through in kind of five images of what it looks like to be transformed through which we see in the demon-possessed man. The first of these, and a couple of these points are going to sound pretty familiar from, from weeks past, and that's okay. I think repetition is a really, really good thing for us memorizing things or remembering things. And so this first one should sound familiar. The demon-possessed man was now sitting at Jesus' feet. He was sitting there at Jesus' feet. Right, we talked about last week this idea of sitting at, at his feet and learning from him. Right? And this is what the image is. This image is a, a, a teacher, a rabbi, and the student, the learner, the disciple. And so this demon-possessed man has now made a decision, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to be a student of him. I'm going to be Jesus' disciple. Right? Because that's what the image is. You have the rabbi, and he's, he's sitting up and, uh, or standing, and the student is sitting on the ground at their feet, learning from them, soaking in what they are teaching. And so this demon-possessed man, the first kind of image that we see of what transformation looks like, are you, are you sitting at Jesus' feet? Are you his student? Are you his disciple? Are you learning from him? And that is simply what the first image looks like. And I'm hoping all five of these images are pretty, they seem like pretty simple things, because that's why this, this sermon series is called Simple Transformation, Simply Transformed. It's because in ways it's very complicated, but also in ways it can be very simple. And so making the decision to follow Jesus, making the decision to say, Jesus is my teacher and I am his disciple, is one of the first images. Now, if we move into Matthew 16, right, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And this is the decision that the demon-possessed man has made. He says, I, I am, and, am done with my old life, and I am now following Jesus and what he guides me to do, and just his wisdom and, and how he teaches to live, and that is what I am following. And we can follow along with that. We can follow along with that to say, I am done with my old life, and I'm going to sit at the master's feet, and I'm going to learn from him just how to live, live life and how to love others. So that's the first image. Now, the second image, as we move forward, the demon-possessed man, he was now clothed. He was now clothed. Now, I don't find this to be, it could be a coincidence, but I don't really find it to be a coincidence. Because if we look, and we've read this scripture before, but if we look in Colossians chapter 3, we'll see Paul use this image of clothing ourselves um, to define some of the acts of the Spirit, some of the, the fruits of the Spirit. So let's read that now. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so what do I kind of see this, this demon-possessed man doing? He says, I'm going to sit at the master's feet and learn from him, and I am now clothed. And I assume that he would move forward and clothe himself in these ideas of compassion and, and loving others and forgiving one another and bearing with each other. 
Right? And that is what we're called to do just the same. We're called to clothe ourselves in compassion and gentleness and humility and kindness and love. We're called to put those things on. And so, yes, the demon-possessed man was now clothed phys- physically, right? But he was also, I assume, moving forward and clothing himself in these wonderful fruits of the Spirit. And that is what we're called to do as well. And so if you're following along with these two images, the first image, hey, are we sitting at the Master's feet? Are we learning from him? And then secondly, are we putting on these fruits of the Spirit? Are we clothing ourselves in those things? Now the third image that I want to get into is this. The demon-possessed man was now in right mind. He was in right mind. Now, I'm no expert in demon possession, but regardless, I can assume that there's some things that happen when someone is, is possessed by a demon that are, are wild and out there and are a l- little bit crazy that, to be happening, right? And so it, it makes sense that in, in writing this, um, it would focus in on this idea that, hey, the demon-possessed man is now of right mind, he is of right mind. And sometimes, you know, what, what is this idea of, what, is, what does right mind even mean? I kind of think of it in the idea of, of self-control a little bit. That we're able to kind of, you know, pull ourselves in and say, I know I'm tempted into this thing, but I can control myself and follow what God has me to be doing. And if we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says this, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And self-discipline is such an important thing. Not to just be living loosely and, and freely and to say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but to say, I know that God has a direction for me to go in, and I'm going to practice self-discipline to follow that. Because this demon-possessed man, as he was possessed by the demons, he had no self-discipline. He was breaking out of chains. He was doing whatever he just felt he needed to do or that the, that the demons felt he needed to do. And as he sits at the master's feet now and clothes himself in the fruits of the Spirit, he is also able to practice self-control and to govern kind of what he does in a way. Now, he's still going to struggle, right? We all still have sin struggles. But nonetheless, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, being of right mind, being of right mind. And so as we look at these, these images, first and foremost, are we sitting at the Master's feet? Secondly, are we, are we putting on, are we clothing ourselves in the fruits of the Spirit? And also, are we able to practice self-control? All three, really, pretty simple things, I think. We're going to struggle with them, yes, but pretty simple ideas. Now the fourth image. The demon-possessed man, he longed to be with Jesus. Now, if you heard the sermon from last week, this should sound pretty familiar, I'd say. But this demon-possessed man, he longed to be with Jesus. Let's go back and read that part of the story one more time. The man from whom the demons had gone out, he begged to go with him, to go with Jesus. He begged to go with Jesus as Jesus was leaving and asked to leave by those in the land of the Gerasenes. If you want to hear more, more details as to you know, how we're supposed to be longing to be with Jesus, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to last week's sermon. But nonetheless, also our, our longing, our desire to be with Jesus and just to spend time with him, to be in relationship with him, is also a wonderful, wonderful image of what it looks like to be a transformed person. Just to say, I know what Jesus has done for me, 
I know what his act on the cross and his resurrection means for me, and I love him so much that I just want to be with him. I just want to be um, talking to him, reading what he says in Scripture. I just want to be with Jesus. I want to spend some time in the quiet, just laying down and, and listening for his voice. I just want to be with him. And that is what the demon-possessed man wants. He just, ah, I just want to go with you, Jesus. Please, please just let me go with you. I want to follow you. And if you remember, we talked about the rich young ruler and how that was the one thing that he couldn't do. Jesus knew, hey, I, I know that you, you struggle with your possessions and, and just wanting those things, and so I'm going to ask you, sell all of those things and just come with me and be with me. And that was the one thing that he couldn't do. But this demon-possessed man, that is the one thing he could do, to say, I, I want to go with Jesus. I want to go with you. I want to be with you. And so we're going to read again Psalm 27, verse 4, that we read last week, because I just I absolutely love this verse. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. Are you, are you with David in that? Is that the one thing that you seek? Do you just want to be with Jesus so much? Do you long to be with him? And so that is the fourth, the fourth image of what it looks like to be a transformed person. Now let's go on to the fifth and final one here. The demon-possessed man told others about Jesus. He told others about Jesus. Let's go back and read that uh, piece of the story real quick again. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. And so if we're following along with these five images, this is the fifth one. Are you telling people about Jesus and what he's done for you? Are you telling people about Jesus and what he's done for you? Again, these should be five simple things. And you might be saying, I already do those five things. Well, awesome. I'm so happy that you do those five things. Right? This isn't an exhaustive list. This isn't the, the whole image of what it looks like to be a transformed person. But these are five ways just to, to say in some self-reflection, where am I at? Have I made the decision to follow Jesus? Am I clothing myself with the fruit of the Spirit? Am I doing these other things that, um, that I see people doing in Scripture? Am I doing those five things? And so are, are you telling others about Jesus? Now, as we go to Matthew 28 here, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as we kind of track through this story with the demon-possessed man, I hope that you can see kind of your, your faith journey, your faith walk with Jesus in that story to say, hey, wow, I made the decision to follow Jesus, or I, I want to make the decision to follow Jesus. I am always working on myself and clothing myself in the, in the fruits of the Spirit. I'm always doing these other things, right? I'm always, I'm always just longing to be with Jesus. I'm always working on myself and my self-control. And I'm always working on how I can tell others about Jesus. I, I hope that you can kind of see, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of my walk in a story, because I see it there. And there's always these kind of little things that I, I'm working on or these big things that I'm working on um, and, and just how I interact with others in the world, right? 
And we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. But in terms of some, some images, five images of what it might look like to be a transformed person, looking at the demon-possessed man, I think those are some wonderful images to say, wow, I'm doing pretty well here. Or, wow, I need to work on myself here and just have some self-reflection there. And so if you were asking the question, well, what, what does it look like to be a transformed person? These are some of the things that I, I'd tell you. Well, this is kind of what it looks like to be a transformed person. And again, not an exhaustive list, but hey, I think this is a pretty good list. I, I didn't actually put the list together specifically. Um, I kind of put a little bit of my, my own twist on, the, on how it's being said, but um, I think it's a pretty good list there. Now, as we move forward, I have a few more points to, to discuss. First and foremost, just to say, right, we are invited and called into a transformed life with Jesus. We are invited and called into a transformed life with Jesus. I, I have met people who say that, you know, I, this sin struggle that I have or where I'm at in life, like, you know, God just, God doesn't forgive me or God wouldn't forgive me or God can't love me. And I'd say, no, 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 no. God can love you. God does love you. God can forgive you. God will forgive you, right? And that is, that is where we're at, right? This, this, this demon-possessed man, he was completely written off. He's not just possessed by one. He's possessed by many, and therefore he's called legion, right? Because there's just a legion of demons in this man that are possessing this man. He, he, like, he's just so far gone, He's so far gone. Nothing that anyone can do can ever cure this man of his demon possession. Just ignore him. Ignore him. Ignore where he's at, right? Just completely write him off. He's, he's gone. Yet what we see is that Jesus can, can, oh, he can work in people so much so that he can transform even the people that we, as humans, say are the furthest gone. Right, because I don't think God ever looks at someone and says they are too far gone for me. I don't think God does that, right? And I, I say I don't think that, right? But, um, but people are—I I wouldn't say they're ever too far gone. We just need to work on loving them, work on loving them like Jesus would. But just to say that if you're in that space of saying I'm too far gone, guess what? We're all invited and called into a transformed life with Jesus. But also to say that all people are invited and called into a transformed life with Jesus. Every person we meet, every person we meet are called and invited to, into a transformed life with Jesus. And so that, that can be a kind of a humbling idea for me sometimes. Because, I mean, there's people that I meet that have a lot more um, visible and, and open and, and public sin struggles than some, someone else might have. Right? And some of those things can make me feel kind of uncomfortable. And some of those things are, are kind of known to make people in churches uncomfortable. But we also have to recognize that, hey, whether I'm uncomfortable or not, God calls that person into a transformed and loving relationship with Jesus. And so we ought to treat them as such. We ought to love them and how Jesus would love them. And so recognizing that, yes, I'm called into this, into this transformed relationship with Jesus, but also everyone that I meet and everyone that walks through my church's doors, they are all invited and called into a transformed life in relationship with Jesus. Along with those two things, we also have to recognize that, hey, transformation is not a one-time, one-size-fits-all event. It's a unique and long journey that each of us participates in. It just is. And they are so unique. 
right? I, I look at others and I say they're on a very different journey than I am, and I try to kind of interwork them into similar tracks that I've been on. But in reality, it's like, no, they're, they're going to um, understand Jesus at their own pace. They're going to read Scripture at their own pace. They're going to develop their relationship with Jesus at their own pace, and that's completely okay. Well, I'm loving them and, and building relationship with them and saying, you know, maybe if I've built up a relationship enough with them to say, hey, you know, you should push yourself a little bit um, just to say, you know, hey, they're on their own unique and long journey with Jesus. And I, I should recognize that. And I shouldn't get super frustrated with people when they're not meeting the goals that I have for them, but saying, what are the goals that you have for yourself? And how can I help you attain those things? How can I help you in this process of transformation? And I know people. I know people that hate looking at their faith with Jesus as a journey, but I'm just more and more convinced that, hey, this is a wonderful word because journeys can be long, they can be hard, they can be filled with struggles, they can be absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. Um, You know, I love road trips and just looking out and seeing, you know, rivers and lakes and trees and mountains and hills and all those different things can be beautiful. But also your car can break down. But also you can hit traffic, right? They can be filled with struggles and hardships, but also are just so, so beautiful. And so I think describing these things as a journey, our faith as a journey, can be so, so, so accurate and so good. But recognizing that, hey, we all are called into a transformed life in relationship with Jesus. Every single one of us, me, this person that I meet, this person that struggles with this thing that I, I, is very visible, right? We're all called into those things, into that, into that transformed life in relationship with Jesus. And that should kind of humble us in a way to say, hey, I just am called to love this person with the love of Jesus. I'm called to be living out my transformed life in, in the world, and hopefully that might get people asking questions, or hopefully that can influence somebody and build a relationship with them. So as we move forward, I just simply want to leave you with this, that God desires for us to be transformed. He desires for us to be transformed. So in terms of these first few weeks of what we've discussed in this idea of transformation and what, what it looks like, right? You know, just, just saying to God, like, hey, you're in the chair now. Tell me where to go. Tell me what direction, what direction my life should head, what decisions I should make, how I should interact with people. You are in the chair. Govern my life. And while you're in that chair, I'm going to sit at your feet and I'm going to learn from you. You are the rabbi, the teacher. I am the student. I am the disciple. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to love. Teach me how to operate. And then just to say as well, hey, life can be hard. It can be difficult. And sometimes, all the time, we need to be leaning on God. Saying, hey, it's not my strength that gets me through the day. It's the strength of the Lord. It's the strength of God that gets me through the day. So those are the first few weeks that we have of this sermon series in terms of the chair, right, and interworking that into kind of this sermon series. But also I'd encourage you just maybe sometimes, uh, sometime this week or sometime in the next couple of weeks just to look back on the story of the demon-possessed man and say this is where he was transformed and this is what it looks like for him to be transformed. And uh, maybe just look at some self-reflection. How am I doing in these areas? Because um, it's, it's a lot bigger than just the simple point of putting on and, and clothing ourselves in the fruits of the Spirit, right? There's a lot of fruits of the Spirit, and we can always be working on um, specific ones sometimes. Um, sometimes I can really work on humility. Sometimes I can really work on compassion, things of that nature. And so I'd encourage you to do that.
As we move forward, though, um, just some next steps, right? If you're in this first piece of being transformed and you're saying, I want to be sitting at Jesus' feet, I want to be his student and him my teacher, I'd encourage you to give your life to to Jesus. And you can do so, you can um, contact the church office, you can fill it out on your your digital connection card if you'd like as well, Um, and so you can do that, and we'd love to chat with you about that. You can join a small group or a service team. Um, Those are wonderful ways to continue this growth and continue this transformation process. Um, And then also, you can sign up for a Connect class, and that is a time where you just sit down over lunch with Pastor Matt and discuss more about this church and what we believe and what we teach and why we do what we do. And so I'd encourage you to be reflecting on those things as we sing our final song.